Let's turn now to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. We're going to read all of chapter 4 and we're going to read the very first verse of chapter 5. And sometimes I think, oh, Bible readings this morning are a bit long, but then I remember that in the Westminster, um, what's it called? The Directory of Public Worship, it recommends that every Sunday there should be the reading of one chapter of the Old Testament and one chapter of the New Testament in consecutive order. So what I've decided on is not so bad. So first Corinthians, sorry, second Corinthians, that was first. Okay, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God." So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
And may God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Amen. Last week, as I was listening to Chris preaching, there was one thing that he said that sort of stuck in my mind. You know, I guess I should really say all the points he made stuck in my mind. <laughs> but there was one thing that did particularly, and that is that sometimes we can be selective in what we as preachers select to preach on. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know, there is a, a lack in the subjects that I've covered, and that lack is talking about the life that is to come, heaven, and our place in heaven. So I thought, thanks to Chris, I'm going to help to uh, make that right. So that's why I chose 2 Corinthians, and I want to look particularly at chapter 5, verse 1, although I'm sure you will have seen that it carries on from chapter 4. Um, and I've entitled what I'm going to talk about as Pie in the Sky When You Die. And the reason I chose that title is because I'm sure you have heard people criticize the Christian faith because Christians believe in heaven that awaits you and you go there to heaven and Christians are not interested in life on this earth, so they say we believe in pie in the sky when you die. I've also heard some Christians use that phrase uh, when they have been criticising fellow Christians and they believe that they are too concerned about preparing themselves for heaven and they don't care about the sufferings on this earth. And I suppose, yes, it is possible for Christians to be so, so concerned about getting to heaven, being prepared for that place that they don't care about what's happening to people around them. I suppose that is true. But nonetheless, although I wouldn't use the phrase myself, pie in the sky when you die, I am very, very grateful that I have the knowledge that there awaits me after all of this life is finished. There awaits me a place of glory and perfection when I die. You see, we need to remember that the Christian's belief in heaven is not something that is just tacked on to what we believe. Right? We believe that we should be following God and Jesus Christ all through this life. And, oh, oh yes, and of course, uh, we know that we go to heaven after all of this is done. It's as though it's tacked on. But this is not the case. The Lord of glory, our almighty God, has always intended that the whole of what Adam and Eve caused by their sin, their disobedience, that the whole of that should be overturned. So our corruption, our sin is overturned through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. But also the paradise, the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve were supposed to inhabit but gave away, that too has been restored. And we will go to heaven. We will go to that place, not because it's tacked on, but because God has redone all the things that were undone by Adam and Eve. Now, it is true, as I'm sure you've heard people say, 
that God has not revealed in great detail what heaven will be like, like where it's going to be, exactly what it's going to look like, and so on. But he certainly has revealed what we need to do about Jesus Christ in order to inherit that heaven. And that, of course, is the most important thing while we're in this life. He has revealed to us that that heaven is a real place and it's a place for those who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and have come to him for eternal life. So let's look at the things that we do know that have been revealed to us and specifically what is taught us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, which says, For we know that if the tent, or some translations have the tabernacle, that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So let's look at this verse. First of all, let's come before God in prayer. Heavenly Father, be with us now by your Holy Spirit as we turn to study your holy word. We pray, Almighty Father, that you would keep us from error and guide us into the truth. And we pray, Lord, that that truth would thrill our hearts. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the first little word that occurs is the Apostle Paul says, for we know. The word we. It's only a little word. We use it all the time. It's so easy to overlook, but it is so important. The home in heaven is not just my home. We tend very much today to have an individualistic approach towards life. But this doesn't apply when we're thinking about the home that we have in heaven. That home belongs also to the other people who believe in Jesus Christ. We are the people of God. We are the descendants of the people of God in the Old Testament. We follow in their footsteps. And they were several million strong, depending on what time in their history that you examine them. There are going to be people from all races, all languages, the people that on earth you might like or you might not like. There are going to be all sorts of people in heaven. And that little word, we, reminds us that this is what's going to happen. And there might very well be people there that you never expected to be there because you had some sort of jaundiced view of them. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the minister or the elder holds up the bread, and it's usually one piece of bread, and he holds up the cup of wine, and it's usually one cup. Why is it one piece of bread, one cup of wine? To remind us that we are one body, we're one people. So it's all, every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it reminds us of a number of things. But one thing it reminds us of is that we are one people. We are united to each other through the love of Jesus Christ and his work upon the cross. So there is this powerful impetus that we ought to try as much as lies within us to live in harmony with each other. Now, the next word it says is the word know, K-N-O-W. And don't ask me at this point why we have a K in front of it, but we pronounce it no. There is a reason, but now is not the time. 
Another little word. But what does it mean? If we know something, we're convinced of it. We're certain it is true. We can stake our lives on it. You might say, well, I know my children love me, or I know my grandchildren love me. I know that because when, I, when they come to visit me, they jump out of the car, they come running to me. I know that. It's a certainty. And Paul is talking in this verse, and he says, for we know there is something that we are certain about. We are convinced of it. You can stake your life on it. A house in the heavens, not made with hands. It's not pie in the sky when you die. It's not something that you just cross your fingers and hope for. It is absolutely true. So, we know. We know. What does Paul say? We know. We know that if the tent or the tabernacle is destroyed, I'm sure you will recall that while the people of Israel wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, before entering the promised land, they had the tent or the tabernacle. And God had told to Moses how they were to build it. <coughs> and it was to be a portable thing, so that when God told them, right, you need to pack up, start marching again, they could just get the tabernacle, get some of the priests to pick it up, and away they would go. So it was a portable thing. It was a temporary thing. Temporary, but yet... It was the centre of their worship of Almighty God. It was very, very important. It reminded them of the presence of God amongst them. It wasn't God himself. It wasn't an idol, but it was a reminder of the presence of God. Once they entered the promised land and settled there and all the tribes had gone to their respective positions in the promised land, then they were to build a permanent place where God was to be worshipped. And that's why we had the reading from 1 Kings. The tent, the tabernacle, was meant to be temporary. The temple was permanent. So the tabernacle or the tent reminded them that they had not reached their permanent home yet. The temple was to remind them, you're home, you're here. And so with us, the tent that we live in, in this world, is only temporary. And we, we do need to remember that because we can clutch onto life, we can cling onto it as though this is all that matters, this life here. Now, this life here does matter, right? It does matter. How we serve God, what we do, the influence we have on people, it does matter. But it doesn't matter for all eternity what matters for eternity is that this home that we have here is temporary. I'm sure you all know that spiritual, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. And that's the truth of the matter, isn't it? And you all, I'm sure, know or at least have heard of Pilgrim's Progress. Why is it called Pilgrim's Progress? Because John Bunyan was deeply sensible that his life on this earth, however long or short it might be, was a pilgrimage. It was his temporary home. And once he got through the life that God had allotted to him, then he would go to his permanent home, which was in heaven with God. 
we do get so attached to this tent that we're in. We think this life is the greatest there can be. And sometimes we get distraught at the thought that death will come to end it all. But we must remember this, that like the tent for the people of old, it was temporary. The temple was their permanent place. So we in this life, it's temporary, but there comes a permanent place. Then Paul goes on to say, um, we have a building from God. So the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ lives in a tent in this life. But we have a building waiting for us. Now, a building, as you all know, is something substantial. We're here in a building, right? It's, it's substantial. It's something solid. It's something that lasts. Everything we touch in this life is temporary. Our homes need maintenance. Our cars need maintenance. Ancient cathedrals need maintenance. Beautiful paintings in the famous art galleries of the world need maintenance. St. Paul's Presbyterian Church in Spring Hill needs maintenance. And they're spending millions on it. it. They need maintenance. Because this world that we live in is a temporary world. But we have a building from God. A building that is solid. That is permanent. That is for us forever. It needs no maintenance. God has established it. It's a building from God. And that's our future. Then Paul goes on to say, it is a house not made with hands. It's not made by human beings. Everything that we touch decays eventually. Some of the things that we build are faulty. Some of the things are faulty through human error, sometimes through human negligence. But believers in the Lord Jesus know that there is awaiting them a permanent dwelling not made by any human being. It is not subject to decay, nor to problems through human error or negligence. It's not made by hands, it's made by Almighty God, and that's our future. Notice also that it's a house. Now you might say, well, so what does that matter? Well, I think it's very, very important. I'm sure if I was to do one of those psychological tests on you, you know, where I mention a word and you've got to say the first thing that comes into your mind, and I said the word house, you would probably say something like family, love, security, um, rejoicing, happiness, things like that. That's what the word house brings into our thinking. It's a place where we belong. You remember the house where you were a child, for those of you who are older. Think back to that. It was a place, usually, where you felt secure. This is your house. This is where you belong. And mum and dad are there. It's a wonderful picture. We have a house that is perfect beyond our imagining, waiting for us. That's our future. Then the last thing that Paul says is that it is eternal in the heavens. Everything in this world is temporary. You know, sometimes you hear people complaining about change and how change is so rapid and they don't like it. And that's fair enough. But that is the way of this world, isn't it? 
Ever since Adam and Eve were driven from the Garden of Eden, there has been change. Change has occurred all the time. We think that it's only in the last, you know, 30 or 40 years that we've had refugees and migrations of people. No, no, no. That's not right. During the decay of the Roman Empire, there were huge migrations of people. There were refugees who were being attacked by other people. Change has always happened. So everything in this world is temporary. Everything decays. We're born, we live, we die. That's the way of life. Is there any person on this earth who does not know some pain, some illness, some heartache, some unrealized dreams? I think all of us do. It's part of the sinful corruption of this world and of us. It's no wonder that the Apostle Paul in another one of his letters said that in this world in which we live, we groan. We do. We groan under the weight of our own sin, under the weight of the corruption of this world. But there is a place awaiting us that is eternal. There will be no more temporary things. There will be no more upheaval. Don't you feel so sorry for the people of the Ukraine at present? They've been forced to leave their homes. There's been millions of refugees who have gone into Moldova and uh, Romania and in Poland. And they've just gone with like one or two suitcases. I think of our house. And if someone said, you've got two hours to leave, how am I going to fit everything into a suitcase? I've got enough there for a truck. Um, I just feel so sorry for people like those in the Ukraine who have had to flee. And if the day comes when they return, and I, I guess it will, and they go back to their homes, what's going to be there? The pictures that we've seen on TV, there are apartment blocks and it's just all blown out. I feel so sorry for them. Now, of course, the Ukrainians are not the first people that this has happened to, but it is tragic and it is immensely sad. And that's why it is so important for us to remember not to clutch at this world and all that it gives us, thinking, this is what I'm going to have forever and I'm hanging on to it, but to remember that we have a home that is eternal. No one will ever uproot us from it no one will ever damage it. There'll be no sin, no corruption. It is eternal in the heavens. That's our future. Now, we need to finish. What shall we say to finish? There are two things I'd like to say. Firstly, we live in a hard, hard world. We thought that we would never again see such aggression in Europe as we saw in the Second World War. But just this year, we have. We never thought we would see homeless people in Australia, but we have. We never thought we would see a wife murdered by her husband simply because he was sick of her, but we have. We never thought we would see immorality paraded so flagrantly and life treated so cheaply as we have in Australia, but we have. What a relief it is to know that we are destined for a place where no corruption exists 
where love is perfected, where there is no more crying, no more pain, where we will be in such a place of glory that we cannot imagine in this life what it's going to be like. And this knowledge helps us to keep persevering in this world, serving our Lord for as many years as he gives to us. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is this. This certainty of heaven is for those who are looking forward to it. And those who know that they are looking forward to it in the right way. In other words, those who see that the king of the universe has prepared it and he has made it possible to go there through his death upon the cross and his resurrection. And all those who look up to him and trust in him, they know that this place is prepared for them. It's not presumption, it's a certainty. So I need to make it clear that that sure knowledge is for those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and not in themselves. Can you say this with all truth in your heart this morning, that it is Christ and Christ alone in whom you trust for your eternal home. And if you can say yes and amen, then may God bless you and give you grace to serve him until that day comes when you are taken to your eternal home. Let's come before God in prayer. Father, we pray that you would bless us richly through what we have thought about this morning. Father, we thank you for that home that awaits us, that is eternal in the heavens, not made with human hands, Father, whilst we may have many years left to us on this earth, or few, whatever it is, we pray, Lord, that we would serve Christ faithfully until the day that we are taken home. Hear our prayers now, Father, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's... Uh,